0: I think it's really challenging to find tactics that are impactful at each level of your growth. So at the beginning, you know, we had tactics we could easily measure, we could look on a map and see what was working. But as we grew, we saturated that tactic. And as we grow even more, we're challenged every day to find tactics to acquire new users that are measurable and impactful.
1: That's Kimberly Kalb, the head of marketing and growth at House Party. An app that takes the group chat to the next level with group video chat. Kimberly has a background in entertainment media technology, having worked with brands like NBC Universal, HBO, Tumblr Entertainment, and now House Party. There, her role has really grown from partnerships to leading more aspects of growth, marketing, and customer support. The House Party brand and some of their early learnings have together catapulted the app into international fame. This is Hack to Start, a podcast that focuses on amazing people who have an interesting story or perspective to share and their insights on how they got to the level of success they have today. I'm Franco Verriano, and today we're speaking with Kimberly Kalb, the head of marketing and growth at House Party, a new app that enables group video chat. Kimberly joins us to share her story, how she got into startups, how she approaches partnerships, her framework for growth at House Party, and much more. So let's get started. Hey, Kimberly. Thanks so much for being on the show today.
0: Hey, Franco. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. The honor's all mine. Really excited to have you on the show and to get the chance to learn more about what you're up to. But before we get too far into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Where are you from and what did you study?
0: Definitely. So, I currently am the head of marketing and growth at House Party, the group video chat app with a twist of presence, as we like to say, meaning, you know, remember back to your days of AIM when you were online, your friends knowing you were available, I think is the easiest way to say it. Previously, I was at Tumblr, and before that, I spent some time in TV marketing at HBO and NBC. Grew up in Los Angeles, always thought I'd work in entertainment and studied business, actually finance and management in undergrad
1: yeah that's really cool and so how did your passion for growth and startups really develop
0: So when I joined the team at House Party, which formerly was Meerkat, I learned that I got the opportunity to iterate very quickly, and I really developed a passion for seeing my work come to fruition and understanding how to change things, how to fail fast and make new decisions and see that all happen from the beginning of an idea.
1: Absolutely. So you kind of mentioned some of your first few roles with HBO and Tumblr, but how did you approach starting your career?
0: I started my career by reaching out cold to a lot of alumni from my university. That's how I ended up in my first role. And then again, in my role at HBO, I reached out cold to various people I knew within the organization or knew of based on my alumni network. I think My most interesting story, though, is how I got my role at Tumblr, which was definitely a career hack. So I saw an article in The Hollywood Reporter that Tumblr had just hired Seema Sistani, our house party's now COO and co-founder. And at the time, she was hired to be the head of entertainment at Tumblr. So I knew she was going to be throwing a private cocktail party for all of her clients at South by Southwest, and I would be there as well. So I went to the cocktail party, approached her, and I think she was interested, intrigued. But the real, the moment where she really took me seriously was when we had taken a walk to confirm her dinner reservation at South by, everything's crazy, and the restaurant had somehow lost her reservation. So, you know, I took out my phone, opened open table made her a reservation across the street, and showed it to her. And she just was floored. We talk about it now. And she talks about that as the moment where she realized I was really scrappy. So eight months later, I of me, you know, emailing her every single month, she hired me at Tumblr. And then at Tumblr, she when I was there, she actually got the offer to be the one of the first hires at Meerkat. And so I followed her because I really didn't feel like I was done working for her. She's really been my mentor, and it's been so exciting to get to be on this journey with her.
1: That's amazing. What a cool story.
0: I'm lucky that I was tech savvy enough at that time to be able to help her out of a jam.
1: Yeah, for sure. So before we dive more into House Party, can you tell us more about the role at Tumblr, where you were the entertainment's partnership manager? Specifically, can you tell us more about what this role is all about and what it really involved?
0: I was leading entertainment partnerships, meaning I would work with big entertainment brands and do interesting things with them on Tumblr. So the experience there really helped me prepare for my future role at Meerkat and at House Party because I could understand quickly what big companies were excited or not excited to do and where we could push the envelope a little bit. Because being in a tech company, you know, you're able to do things quickly, and make things happen. But I think often in entertainment companies, things take a lot longer. So I was able to develop that experience and really learn how to build relationships that would be the foundation of lasting partnerships.
1: Absolutely. And so carrying that through to House Party, can you start off by telling us a bit more about what the app is all about in case others haven't heard about it?
0: Definitely. So House Party, as I mentioned, is a group video chat app. But our mission is to connect people in the most human way possible when physically apart. So said more simply, we care about making meaningful connections, and we're doing that through video chat. So I'm incredibly passionate about our mission, and I'm so lucky that I get to be a part of a team that every day is bringing a connected product in a way to connect more meaningfully into people's lives. So when I left Tumblr, um, ultimately, I was actually leaving for Meerkat, and I had the opportunity because I followed Sema. But now at Houseparty, I really have grown into a role where I'm heading up all of our marketing efforts, all of our new user acquisition efforts. I also lead up our user support because I think not only is it important to create a product that helps users connect, but also once they're using the product making them happy, and also helping the team be empathetic to users. It's so important to listen to your users, and all of the team here cares passionately about that. As In addition to support and marketing, we all, I also work with product in thinking constantly about putting our users first, putting ourselves in the role of the user every time we're developing a feature.
1: So you mentioned it just a few times in passing about joining Meerkat first, which later became House Party, as some folks in startup tech circles may already know. But can you quickly tell us a little bit more about what that transition was like from your perspective?
0: When I joined the team at Meerkat, they had just come out of South by Southwest. You know, they were the darling of South by. But as we were working with users very quickly, we came to learn that video broadcasting was not the way that people wanted to connect. But what they did want and what we saw was the most special moment to any broadcaster was when a friend or family member or loved one was in the comments, you know, watching their stream. So it, it gave us a little hint of a moment of something special that we were getting towards. So when we made the pivot to house party we all knew we were on to something special when we would all use the product with the people that we cared about most. And being able to see people face to face whenever you and that other person were available was so special. And being able to do it spontaneously just upon seeing a notification was something that we knew was so important to people. And so being on that journey, making that pivot with the team, it just it made so much sense because we knew that this was really where we were meant to be building a video product.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really cool. And so focusing on that aha moment you just described, what are some of the most interesting projects from a growth perspective that you've been a part of over the last three years?
0: So we've done a lot of really fun, interesting things. And right now I have the team focused on being really thoughtful about how we can have an impact and be a different kind of marketing team and be really data first. We think about what can we do that has an impact? What can we try? What can we test? How do we set up an A-B test to make this work really well? But at the very, very beginning, when we were first building House Party, we were trying to understand our product market fit. So we all had hypotheses around who would be the product market fit. What demographic would work and would care passionately about house party? So, I always like to tell our very first story of what we called the cousin network. I texted the app to my friend's cousin who was a high school senior just to get her opinion, woke up the next morning to a text from her saying, hey, I hope I was allowed to share this. My whole high school has it. At that point, we have tens of users. So we go look at the map and we can see Michigan is lighting up. And it was one of those moments where we realized quickly that activating a dense network, a dense community of friends all at once was really key to how we would be building in the early days. So we continued that tactic across college campuses and particularly in Greek life where students are gathered together with their closest friends and we could build out our product in a really authentic way because I was going to campuses telling our story, telling everyone how important we thought communication was. Those students, And everyone really, we're in a a digital age now where we're connecting via our phones, we're passively scrolling, we're liking instead of saying hi. We've lost the ability to convey emotion with our faces, and instead we use emojis. And so being able to bring something to people where they can easily, with one tap, connect with their faces and show real emotions again, that was really valuable early on. Of course, those tactics, you know, saturated quickly. And as we grew, those, those tactics don't scale, but it was a really exciting project at the beginning.
1: That's very cool. And so speaking to some of those challenges in terms of scaling, obviously growing con- social consumer apps is a big competitive space. So what are some of the biggest challenges you guys have had to overcome with House Party?
0: I think it's really challenging to find tactics that are impactful at each level of your growth. So at the beginning, you know, we had tactics we could easily measure, we could look on a map and see what was working. But as we grew, we saturated that tactic. And as we grow even more, we're challenged every day to find tactics to acquire new users that are measurable and impactful. And so we've really enlisted our marketing team to constantly iterate, to constantly try new things, find new ways to introduce the app to new demographics of people and get them excited and onboard them to the product and ultimately show impact. Something we're doing only is meaningful if it shows impact for the whole team and for the business as a whole.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just to add to that, how has the brand awareness really contributed to both overcoming some of those challenges and introducing other ones?
0: So we have been really lucky that we have a really strong brand and people really are passionate about the house party brand. We have a lot of equity in it, but actually a really interesting challenge that stemmed from that is not leaning into doing more brand tactics. So we want to challenge ourselves to build measurable tactics that have an impact on more than just building up the brand. We want to actually be bringing in new users or re-engaging existing users. And I think that's an interesting challenge when you've built a strong brand.
1: So pushing that a bit further, what are some of the ways that House Party is planning or has been able to test on that front?
0: You know, I think we initially started out with a lot of field marketing tactics. And when a market's really small, that's really impactful. But as a market grows, you really need to think bigger, you need to think digitally, you need to think about tactics that will reach more people. And I think that is something that is a harder mindset to think about when you're a small team, how can this, you know, one person on our team impact 1000s or millions of people all at once. And so it's been a great challenge and something we're still working on every single day. What else can we do that's new and different and will be measurable?
1: Yeah, for sure. So as a consumer app, Party is available all around the world. Have you seen different use cases or usage trends develop in other markets?
0: We haven't seen... Trends change country to country, but what we have seen is that dense communities, when they onboard quickly, can light up an entire location. So we've had moments where we've seen different countries go from zero to one hundred very quickly, just because a certain community is onboard, and we don't necessarily know who that community is. Like it's not a certain age or demographic, but once the word starts to spread, the natural virality of an app where you can video chat with more than one person at once across iPhones and Androids, spreads quickly by word of mouth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned not too long ago the ability for House Party to really empower and help deliver these expressive and humanized conversations with a strong feeling of connection. So where do you think the future of video is headed as a technology? And where do you think the evolution of video will look like in the future?
0: Definitely. I think you've hit it right on the head. Video, in my mind, in the future will be a key tool for communication. I think right now people think about video calls or regular phone calls as really heavy. You know, you think about it as something that you're making a time commitment to do. You are setting aside an hour of your week maybe to call someone. And so you don't do it often. And where I think video is going to be a really important part of our future is in communicating on a daily basis in a casual way. So I think video will be key to the way people see each other face-to-face in an ever-changing, ever-growing digital world where we are seeing each other physically less and less. So we need to put actual effort towards seeing each other face-to-face more and more. So I think video will actually be key to how we communicate in the future and how we protect ourselves from the pitfalls of the world of just scrolling and messaging all the time.
1: That's very cool. And so tying some of that vision and the various product milestones that you've mentioned, you know, like international adoption through different communities, iOS only at first, and then enabling the cross-platform video with Android. So how do you plan to match growth with some of those product milestones?
0: So we always think about our users first, and we have ways to communicate with our users via email, via DM. We're talking to them every day. So as things change, as we grow, we get new information from users about what's working for them, what they need, and it really helps us define our roadmap when we are constantly thinking about our users and how they're using the product. You know, our, one of the things we really pride ourselves on is listening to our users. And it's not that a user says, oh, I hate this feature and we get rid of the feature, but we do try to get to the root cause of what's bothering them. Um, and why and we use that to inform our decisions. So early on, you know, we launched the app as a group video chatting app and you can see who your friends are talking to and you can join a conversation even if you don't know all of the people in the room. Very quickly we learned that some people wanted to have private conversations and not always have their friends joining. So we added in a locking feature. And so it wasn't that we made every chat private. We just gave the user the capability to make their own chat private. So I think when you listen to your users and try to understand how the product could be even more valuable to them, it really helps you grow and develop your product along with your user growth.
1: Yeah, that makes total sense. And so on the topic of taking user feedback and working it back into the product through the right channels, you mentioned that you're now leading much more of the growth, customer success, and marketing efforts. So do you have a framework for tying all those different areas together internally? How do you approach making that all happen?
0: I think it's really important for everyone on the team to be focused on the same mission. We have a really open, transparent culture here where you know any other team can ask a question about something that another team is doing. And so we all know we're all working towards the same goal of changing the way people communicate. We see a gap in the way people communicate and everyone on the team really feels passionately about changing that and really fixing the way people are interacting digitally. So because of that, I think it actually makes it really easy to communicate across teams because Everyone knows what we're working towards. So if there's a support challenge and a user is having an issue with something, that support person can go right to engineering and say, hey, this feature was built wrong, or there's a bug in it, or can go to product and say, hey, I think maybe we should listen to this user and take their input into how we develop our next version or next iteration of this feature. So everyone feels open and feels like they know who does what and that they can work together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, on that note, what are some of the things that are next for House Party?
0: You know, in the future for House Party, what's really important is introducing video chat as a casual means of communication for everyone and letting people know and be aware that they can have a five minute catch up, they can have a light, quick communication with video chat with a friend or loved one that they care about deeply. And it doesn't have to be a big commitment. And I think it's definitely a learning curve for people to have those quick moments of interaction. But once people understand that they have them and can have these quick spurts of communication every single day, I think that is when they will realize that house party is incredibly valuable to them. And I think it's a really big, interesting challenge for us to conquer reintroducing video chat to people as a key form of communication.
1: Very cool. I'm looking forward to following along and seeing you guys continue to be leaders in this space. So on a bit of a different note, over the course of your career you've been able to lead all kinds of different partnerships. So what's your advice to other marketers or founders when it comes to creating new partnerships?
0: There's one case study that I've always done in school around partnerships that I think really communicates what you should be doing when you think about a partnership. So The prompt is always that one of you needs all the orange peels and the person you're negotiating with needs all of the fruit from the orange. But neither one of you knows that you actually need different parts of the orange and that you could pool your resources to buy all the oranges. Everyone comes out of the negotiation saying, you know, I got 50 oranges and she got 50 oranges when you each could have had 100 of what you need. So I always take that story and it's always stuck with me and into how I approach partnerships because you want to be creating value for both parties. A partnership is successful when both people walk away from the table really happy and really excited to continue working together. So I think it's really important to not think of a partnership as something you're approaching with just trying to create value for yourself or your brand, but instead think about how you can both walk away with more value than you started with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's an amazing story to keep in mind. So on that note, are there any specific resources like books, videos, apps, blog posts that you find yourself frequently recommending to others?
0: I always read Lean In at least once a year. It's been incredibly valuable to me in my career in thinking about how I grow as a woman, particularly in this industry. I've been so lucky to have a female mentor that's helped me along the way. But I also have learned from the book to stand up for myself, to take a seat at the table, to do all the things that I think are really important. And I also impart that onto my team as well. But in addition to that, you know, I keep mentioning this, but I think it's so important to listen to your users to be able to use the people using your product as a resource for knowledge, because they're using your product probably more than you are, honestly, if you're listening to your top users. And they have such interesting insights and so much that you can learn and gain from listening to their complaints, their praise, everything in between to understand how you can be better.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So to cap off this awesome conversation, do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think others should know about?
0: I always talk about how important it is to get comfortable with rejection. Working in partnerships, trying to move jobs over the years and move industries, I probably have sent thousands of unanswered cold emails. So I think if you reframe your thinking on rejection as the worst that can happen is someone says no or doesn't respond. It feels a lot less scary, and it also builds up your resolve and your ability to get rejected more often. You know, we have had situations where we've A-B tested a feature and users hate it, and it can feel like really harsh rejection. But if you instead listen to what they're not liking and then iterate, you can actually build a better version of the feature that not only gives them what you were trying to build, but makes it something they love. So I think rejection is really important. And it's something that people should be less afraid of in their careers.
1: Absolutely. I completely agree. And I couldn't think of a better way to end this episode. Kimberly, thanks so much for taking the time to chat today. It was amazing to have you on the show.
0: Great. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.
1: If you've enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear about it and have you share with friends. Find us on Facebook or Twitter at Hack or drop us an email, hey at hacktostart.com. You can also subscribe to avoid missing any future episodes by finding Hack to Start on Apple Podcasts, Breaker Audio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.